production is is equal to a company as creative is to a company. Um, one is the overall creative vision you're trying to, to get across and sell as a company to a client. And the other is the ability to get that project done. So you can be as creative as you want to. If you can't finish and deliver, it doesn't matter. You're not going to thrive in a creative industry. That is Tim Thompson today on the podcast talking about the importance of doing a weekly production report. Hi, I'm Joel Pilger. Today is Wednesday, January 4th. Happy New Year, everyone. On behalf of Tim and myself and the entire team at RevThink. Today, Tim and I are continuing our series on the six reports every studio should be running. That's here on the RevThinking podcast, where we're helping motion design and production studios around the world reach the next level. Level. Welcome to RevThinking. RevThink leverages years of experience and practical wisdom to help owners of top creative studios. So you don't have to choose between following your passion and running your business. Now here are your hosts, Joel Pilger and Tim Thompson. Does your motion design or production studio do a weekly production meeting? Hey, Joel here in Los Angeles, where today I'm talking with Tim Thompson, founder at RevThink, and my good friend and partner. So if there was one habit, just one, that I would love to see every studio put into practice in this new year, it would be a weekly production meeting. Because this one simple routine can single-handedly empower your studio to produce better creative, to keep clients happy, and make your business consistently profitable. But there is a trick, and it's called having a special agenda. And it goes by the name of the production report. See, this is one simple tool. It's probably the most fundamental routine here at RevThink that we implement at all of our client studios, which makes the biggest impact and the most immediate impact too. And over the long time, it's a total game changer. But what is a production report? Well, that's what we get into today on the podcast. What goes in that report? And what is discussed in the weekly production meeting? And what do we leave out? And how does this routine help you and your team make decisions without getting bogged down in all the minutia of projects? Well, let's listen in as Tim and I discuss this next of the six reports every studio should be running. We're talking about the six reports every studio should be running. So this was an article that you wrote a few months ago. Mm -hmm. And the, the first article covered... Uh, the first report, which was the sales report. Is yeah, that right? That's right. Sales projections. We sales talked about projections. why it was important for um, an owner to get their salesperson to write sales projections so they can understand what that person is doing as well as be able to project their own uh, needs for the, to run the company. And we did record a podcast on that. And so now it's, now it's officially a series. We're doing the second one. And today we're talking about the project actuals and projections report. But before we talk about that report, let's first talk about the importance of production within a company. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like production is, you know, one of a three-legged stool. Um, and most companies that we know, we're working with creative entrepreneurs, they all recognize creative is one of the most important places to start, often because that creative person is used as a freelancer or have done the creative work in the past, and that's what starts a company. 
Um, the second leg is production, and the third leg is operations. So it really it plays an important role. You and I often see partners, a creative and a pr- producer in partnership, or there is um, the creative um, creative director, executive producer relationship that we're always managing and kind of work things out. Yeah, sure. Um, so production is as equal to a company as creative is to a company. Um, one is the overall creative vision you're trying to, to get across and sell as a company to a client. And the other is the ability to get that project done. So you can be as creative as you want to. If you can't finish and deliver, it doesn't matter. You can deliver all you want to, but if it's in creative, um, you're not going to be, you're not going to thrive in a creative industry. And it reminds me just of how critical the role of producers are in all of these creative companies. And as they grow, they all come to this point where they realize we need a really good producer. And the, the team of producers as the companies grow become just as important as the creative component. Uh, absolutely. You know, most um, people think of a producer as almost like a scientific role. It's because it's, it's always numbers and columns and ideas and thoughts and right. dates. Bid forms and yeah, rates exactly. and all this kind of stuff. And if you could just do the math right, you can do the job. And really, it's less of a scientist and more of a craftsman. Um, you are helping tell the story, the same creative story that the creative team is doing, by using those numbers and schedules and idea. You're creating creative expectations and putting the parameters of the project in, in order so that both can, can flow and have its purpose in place um, because your client has those exact same needs too. They love the, the deliverables you're going to give them on the creative side. They also need to meet the schedule and the budget that they have. So they are for sure equals in a team. And the strength of a producer increases the strength of the creative team. I personally like that little bit of um, stress um, and back and forth that a, a good producer and a good creative have so that they're always pushing each other. Um, that's where innovation comes, and that's where growth and um, ability to, to move a company forward and vision forward. So I love that back and forth that you get from, from a, two good people that way. It's funny. I love that tension, too. And, and so I remember when I had a team of creatives and a team of producers, they were always fighting. And they would always come to me and say, tell him, tell him he's wrong or tell her she's wrong. And I always celebrated, no, guys, this is what it looks like. Like production and creative should always be in this tension. Yeah. And if you guys aren't arguing, we're not innovating. It's too, it's too easy. And by the way, that's why I think it's a three-legged stool because you can have the tension between those two. But that operations position also is one that says, well, how do we get it done? What resources do we have to get it done? How do we solve those problems operationally as a company? Even the thought of having regular meetings and regular routines and doing a report like we're talking here is an operations matter solving that that requires a conversation between the other two legs of the stool. So really, it's like three branches of the government, right? We have all three working together inside your company. So if we were going to try and define maybe very simply, what a producer does. Say for, for an owner out there who doesn't yet have a producer, how would we sum it up? How would we say in a sentence or two? I, I mean, I can offer this. I have, a, I have a couple sayings that I like to say. And one of them is that the producer is the person managing a project who simply always assumes no one is doing anything they promised they were going to do. <laughs> That's their day in, day out job. That's awesome. Is they, they just constantly assume nobody, whether it's the client, whether it's the creative director, whether it's the editor, nobody's actually doing anything. 
And my job is to go around and constantly say, do you have what you need? Are you making progress? And keeping everybody in the loop, right? They spend their life anticipating. Right. I see Friday coming. It's only Monday, but man, Friday's coming, and that's when we've got to have that edit version three locked. But the client is maybe going on vacation, and the editor has his daughter's recital tomorrow night, and therefore, I'm going to run around and just be like, okay, and you're doing this, and you're doing that, and here's what's happening, right, right, right? Yeah. I, have to, I have to say, I, what, I, what I love about you, you explaining it that way is obviously some of your experience with producers, mine would come as being, having experience as a producer. Right. Because I would say there's for sure a part of it that you know that you're babysitting, that you're always checking and seeing what people are doing. Um, but a good producer, by the way, would set things up so they don't have to wonder if, if people are, are doing what they're supposed to do. Really, the idea is to be ahead of the creative team and feed things to the creative team. So you might, it might feel like on the creative side, from your experiences, they're always asking me what I'm doing. But um, from a producer side, you're asking, hey, how's it going? What are you doing? What do I need to be doing for you to, to build things up? So that, that, that's, that's a great distinction. Because the reason I hired and worked with producers is because I was not a good one myself. And once I identified that, I realized I need a great producer. And that clarity led me to hire a great producer, and it made such a difference in my firm. But you were a producer. Like, that's sort of where you started. What was that like? Yeah, that's right. I was a producer. I was a producer at RGA LA, and then which became Imaginary Forces. And I was part of the production team on the seven title sequence. That's why I had these gray hairs. I know that very well. Um, but being a producer at that time and the amount of the volume that we were doing um, really was a learning curve for me. There was a lot being thrown at us with innovation, ideas, technology, and things were kind of coming of age for us. Um, so I had to have a, a philosophy and idea of how to get projects done, even if we didn't know how to really do it. We were inventing the wheel as we went along. Right which was an exciting time to be doing it, not very much sleep. Um, so, so the structure of producing a project is really what I had to focus on. How do I take these seven projects I'm in charge of, um, worth millions of dollars, and still be able to keep the, the train moving down the track for each project we are doing? And a lot of my routine and systems and strategy when it comes to production deals with that kind of volume and idea. Um, and it plays into, you know, even what we're going to talk about today, the production report has elements that were started there. Um, but what I learned as a producer to your question is that if you're going to stay in front of your team, the, the preparation ahead of time and to, to come alongside the vision of your creative director is very important. So you want to take the time to understand, listen, and believe in that creative process and also get it done on budget on time. We don't want it to just be... Um, have, a, have the creative director running amok and you're chasing them and fighting them. So for me as a producer, it wasn't an or process, production or creative wins. I wanted to have creative win and, and be able to accomplish it on time, on budget. It wasn't easy to do from the very, at the very beginning, but eventually you know, working together with the creative team, you really learn how to keep things moving along and support of them as well as accomplishing the goal you want to. And communication is key. So sitting down, doing a budget, sitting down, doing a schedule, creating expectations, understanding deliverables as a team together, then dividing up and making those deliverables and delivering them are, are the two, two parts that are being done. Which leads us to the report. 
Yeah. Where, so describe what, what is this report? Uh, and is this something that you created back in the day that you invented? And what was the need that it was, that it was trying to fill? Sure. I'm, I'm, um, some of this is from 20 years ago, for sure. Um, we would have weekly production meetings. All the producers would sit around the table, and we would discuss where we are in the projects, um, the status of the projects, what have you. Um, I remember not having a lot of structure in some of those meetings and having a lot of structure in other meetings. Um, so the meetings need, needed an agenda. And really, when it came down to it, and I was in operations, I started making the weekly production meeting agenda. Um, so that need to, as an operations person, to understand what, what's going on in this room, how can we support you in operations, um, was really the beginning of this thought of this report. What I think of the production meeting is about is asking the questions, how are we doing? And I want to know th three questions, basically. How are we doing on the creative? Are we delivering what the client needs? Are they happy with it? What's their feedback? How are we doing on the budget? Are we on track to, um, to meet those financial goals? Are we going over? Are we going under that we could spend more and give more um, back to the creative team? Um, and then how are we doing on schedule? Are we going to meet the deadline? If not, what can we do to meet the deadline? Or how do we manage the client's expectations? So my production report that I do um, has those, those three elements into it. And I really, even today with our clients, we use this production report as a means to walk through the weekly production meeting. So three things. That's uh, the project health, the budget status, and the schedule status. Those are really the three major components that are covered in this, the meeting and in the report. That's right. So... What I like about the production report is it gets it all into, onto one page. Everyone can see the elements. Um, it, it only it has to have very basic um, columns or very basic rows in order, in order to, get, to make the first round of it. It can be more complicated um, as your company grows. And some of the, the ones that we make have financials built into it so they can see how the billing cycles are going and those kind of questions. Or the splits. Yeah, we can see the splits for, for a project and, um, if you're, they're implementing that kind of a, of a financial structure for the projects. Um, but we, ba we just want to see the, the job name so that you can walk through it job by job. You want to know all your active jobs, all the jobs that have been delivered but not paid for, and then all the jobs that are closed, which... I, had a, I have a procedure of what closed means. It means all the invoices are out, all the receivables are in, um, the project is archived off of the drives or the drive is stored away, now it's closed. Um, so that last step to closed is its own kind of operation cycle. Um, but on, the, on your weekly production meeting and production report, you want every job name on there so you can see it, good or bad, new or old, we want to see all the projects. So who, who attends the weekly production meeting? Is this the entire company? Is it just producers? Who, who's there? Yeah, that depends on company culture. Um, for sure, all the producers, the owner, um, operations, people if you have them. But some companies are only seven people big, so all seven could sit in that meeting. Um, there is a part where you're talking about money. So if your company is sensitive to those money conversations, don't have them. Um, so we have some clients that just go in the owner's office, close the door. There's three of them on one end of the phone call, two of us on the other end of the phone call. We're walking through the seven projects that they have. So the receptionist may not be there. Yeah. Your animators might not be showing up right. there. And when I hear meeting, and especially weekly meeting, um, I know a lot of us start to cringe because we don't like spending a lot of time in meetings. Mm -hmm. um, 
how is this? How long does the, how long does a meeting like this take? Again, that's a culture. Probably a culture will determine that a little bit. My expectations of a production meeting would be no longer than twenty minutes. I like them when they're ten minutes. And how how is it possible to go through? It seems like you go through all the active projects and you say, "What's the health of this project?" That you're going to go down all sorts of rabbit trails. Yeah. How is that managed? Yeah. Don't waste people's time. One, if it's on the piece of paper, don't ask about it. Just read it. You know the, the reality and move on. So the idea of having a meeting is to communicate things that people don't already know, and you're trying to get that out of them. So the project's going well. You say, "How's this project going? It's going good. Great. Move on." So I guess what you're doing then is you're managing just the exceptions. Just the exceptions. Like this project's great. Check. This one's great. Check. This one's great. Th- great. Check. Yeah. Wait. Something's off right here. Like. Weren't we supposed to collect the first half, but we're getting started tomorrow? That's the exception. Let's go manage that. That's it. But in, on my production report, therefore agenda, I'd have the job name, the current actuals, so what, what, the, what the producers tracked to date. So it'd be as accurate as possible at that moment. Meaning what's been spent to date? What has been the... spent to date. Okay. Um, what's projected remaining to spend before the project is over? And um, I want to be very clear that that third item, the remaining to spend, isn't just a, um, a, a math equation. It's not a $10,000 budget. We spent $5,000, so there's $5,000 remaining. Not true. There's a critical thinking process that says, if I were to produce, if I were to take on this project from this day until it's completed, what do I know that still needs to be done, and what's that going to cost me? You're going to find that you're going to be off budget, either below budget or above budget as the project moves on, especially the bigger, longer projects, because things shift. Because things are shifting, you want to be reprojecting that project and changing what you what you hope to accomplish or need to get done and to keep that project on, on track. So I love that distinction because that is such a, like, I really want people to hear that because what we're not saying is, Oh, it's a $10,000 project. We've spent $5,000. Therefore, we have $5,000 remaining to go spend. Instead, the question is, if you had to pick up this project from where it's at right now and get it done to meet all the objectives and parameters, what would that cost? The answer might be, oh, it might be $3,000. Great. Go get it done for three. But again, we're going to meet next week and check in and ask the same question again because it's this living, breathing, dynamic, changing thing. Your expectations of what your animator can accomplish, um, and then as they go along what they're actually accomplishing, the the volume that they're doing or the rendering time, things that were unknown, pop up. Your client's expectations might have changed in editorial. So you're, you're on version 9 of an edit when you expect you only have two rounds of editing or three rounds of editing. You can be on version 200 in the, in, in the movie trailer world. It gets up to that many. And you still have to deliver at the delivery date. You don't, the, the movie is still being released in, you know, on the certain date, so you can edit as much as you want to, but you still have to make that trailer. One of the most common things that affects that is just simply we didn't know what we didn't know. We created a plan. But as we moved forward, our headlights only went so far into the darkness. And now that we're here, we realize, oh, it's going to take another two weeks yeah. because this particle system is harder than we thought or whatever. Yep. So you have to manage those things. And if I'm a business owner, I want to hear from my producer at, the, at that time, what's happening with your project? That's why we're in this meeting and that's why we have this report. And I want to hear honestly what, what has changed. Please tell me what has changed. So then as the owner or creative person can say, oh, I didn't realize that was causing issues, I could change 
this direction, or I can change this method, or maybe we could talk to the client and get this accomplished instead of another way of doing it. And that beginning of problem solving is proactive instead of, well, I, um, I'll give you the, the old practice that, that people um, used to do before uh, I started making this report, is that they would do their actuals after the project delivers. Right. So they say, it's a $100,000 budget. I did the actuals. It's 115 Sorry. Instead of realizing at $50,000 that we could have changed a few things and made it so that we still hit 100 and maybe even 95 So this brings up a question of transparency and honesty, right? Because if I'm a producer and I'm going over budget, I really don't want to tell you that because that's bad news. How do you encourage honesty and candor in this meeting? It's an absolute necessity. Honesty has to be a necessity um, because you're because it's not about firing people or this is not a checkup or not trying to figure out how good you're doing at your job. We want to know how the project is going. If you're not a good employee, then we're going to know that outside of this meeting or not. So, and on and truly from, from where I sit, if the person's dishonest in the meeting, they're a poor employee. If they're honest in the meeting, there, there's an honest conversation happening and we're trying to achieve a common goal. So why not be honest? Yeah. So this is one of those situations you're talking to the doctor, might as well show them all, the, all your rashes so you even get them all accomplished, right? Um, so honesty is an absolute necessity in that meeting for sure. So as an owner or leader, you need to encourage an environment that, uh, that has um, that truth as part of it. And by, by the way, me personally, if I were to run the meetings, I would have the numbers as part of it. I wouldn't hide the figures because you're encouraging an open conversation. So you might as well have people see all the numbers. Right. That's part of the cultural part that I, I would put there if it was me. Thank you for the mental picture of the rashes. <laughs> I needed that. So another thing I like to see on the report is the status of receivables. Um, I just think that helps for everyone to know where their receivables are. I mean, like accounts receivable, okay. billing, billings for a project. Actual are. invoices, first half, second half, those sorts of That's right. details. Because there is a little bit of management happening outside of that room that people need to know. Did that invoice go out? Do, does the client know it's due? And should we deliver elements to a client if they've paid us nothing? So a producer has a, has a, a role in that communication of setting things up. Uh, between the client and the vendor and making sure that people know that their bills are due and they have to pay us. We want at least the first 50% in before we release any elements, that kind of stuff. So just be able to see some sort of status of invoice number one is out or the total dollar amount that has been received. Something along those lines is good to know too. It also encourages a conversation between the producer and the finance team at least once a week per project. How are we doing, Harry? And that communication happening outside of that room, not inside the room, outside the room is good and positive. So encouraging that inside the room, you're just reviewing it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how every week when I go through a production report, there's always at least one time when the EP says, oh, we didn't get that first half, or no, we were supposed to receive this. Can you notify you know, finance and tell them to say this, send this thing, what have you. It's just one of those things that if you don't do it in, in that point in the week, it just never gets done. Yeah. So it's a great point in time to just say, how are we doing on those items? It also works very well when your company is dealing with your client as, as an ongoing account. So if you're doing multiple projects with a client, it lets you see overall how the whole company is doing with that client than just you on your one myopic project. So there's a lot of things that are possible in that conversation. So I just love to have that there so everyone has a big picture idea of what's going on with the receivables as well. 
And what else? There's one other thing that Last you were going to mention. Delivery date. Um, because all these pieces come together at that one deli- at that delivery date. So I know if I'm looking at a report and it says um, I've spent 70% of the project, there's 25% remaining, and there's seven weeks out, I might be able to say there's no way you're going to get that accomplished in seven weeks. Or if I'm looking at it and it says half the money is spent and we deliver tomorrow, that I'm missing something in their projections, or we're very, very profitable. And I want to have that conversation of why did we do this? And why did we jump to that hoop? And why did we, you know, have all these conversations if we had that much money left over? Or why, more available. or why can't we do this more often? <laughs> exactly right. Did we just get lucky and do it? <laughs> so those are, the, those are the beginning of those exceptions that you can see things. That delivery date is the last piece of how the whole project is going. So holding producers accountable is very easy when you can see what they're thinking, what they're doing, and how, how it's going. It also, so that one element of holding them accountable but not micromanaging them is the beauty of a report like this. So that, I think, is a great answer. I was going to ask you to sort of net it out, right? Like, okay, so let's imagine um, a studio that doesn't currently have this report and this weekly routine. Maybe they're just bringing on a producer and they realize, oh, we, gotta, we need to put a routine like this in place. What's the impact that it makes? Like when you follow this routine a year or two later, what sort of difference will it make in the company? Yeah, trust. What happens is, is you are able to let your production team go. Um, you give that producer who, you, who you've hired because they're qualified the tools that they need to. You're giving them all of the responsibility and all of the accountability, right? So that they, they get both sides of the responsibility. And if you're practicing splits like we encourage people to do, you know they're fitting inside of, of the overall operational budget of your company. At that point, you want to just let, set them free. Let them use the skills that they have as a producer, get their project done, and not micromanage every step they're, they're, they have, or not go through every small little piece of a project in, in a room in front of everyone. Totally unnecessary. That one meeting is just to go over that report, be as broad as possible, um, get to the items that you know that you have to address, address those items outside of the room, not with everyone in there, or have address those items before the meeting starts and just bring the answers into the room. But this room is not the overall pick and choose and tear people down and, and uh, the witch hunt that, right. that people would want. So it's to not do. nitpicking and micromanaging. Gotcha. Yeah, what I love about being an owner who implements this routine and these best practices is it really is one of the key pieces to drive you from being a reactionary business to managing and being able to predict and create stability um, so life can slow down for you so you're not just crazy all the time. That's right. Right. If What we like to say is you're spinning plates. So how many plates do you want to spend? Do you have to do little saucers and then all the little teacups as well? Can we just spin the broad plates? I totally agree. And moving from reactive to proactive is a great move in creating that future. So that's why at RevThink we like to say the best way to deal with the future is to create it. And looking at a report like this, you can start understanding, assessing the future asking the right questions and seeing the common goals that your team is trying to do or you're trying to work out with your team members and getting the projects done. If your splits are on there, you can see how that's helping you accomplish your corporate goals and so on and so forth. So it's a great meeting, great routine, and great report to have that every company should be implementing and running. So what next? If someone wants more 
information on that sounds really cool. I'd like to implement something like that at my firm. Where would they where would they go next? Well, we've posted some items on RevThinking that people can look at and see examples. If they wanted to reach out to you or I, I'm Tim at RevThink.com. You're Joel at RevThink.com. They can always email us. We'd be happy to send them a link or take a look at a project report that they have and just give them feedback. They do not have to be our client. We should say that. Any listener, we're happy to um, have that dialogue with uh, over email and be able to encourage them. We really just want people to start growing and building a company that's healthy for them and their lifestyle. That's great. Well, I'm excited to start implementing this um, at a few clients here in Los Angeles while we're here um, because this is such a great and powerful tool. So thanks for the, the time to sit down and talk about the production report. Yeah, it's great to see you. Happy holidays. And Happy let's holidays. Go, let's go do what we have to do. Huh? All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to RevThinking. For more insights on running your creative studio or to ask us a question, visit RevThink.com. I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called Rev Community. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace new technology, ideas, economic trends, and it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com slash community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com slash community. I look forward to seeing you there.